Welcome to White Collar Briefly, a Perkins Coie mini-pod. Delivered in short doses, this mini-podcast features informal, on-topic discussions with in-house experts, outside counsel, and other thought leaders on a wide array of cutting-edge and practical white-collar and compliance topics. Visit PerkinsCooey.com for more information on our nationally ranked white-collar and investigations practice. On this episode of White Collar Briefly, Perkins Cooey partner Kevin Feldes speaks with Ross Mansbach, Deputy General Counsel at Avanos Medical, about the impacts of COVID-19 on corporate legal departments and their relationships with outside counsel. During this episode, Ross reflects how law firm updates have been a genuine help to busy in-house counsel responding to the pandemic and the potential efficiencies and limits to our increasingly virtual way of working under the new normal. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Perkins Coie LLP and should not be considered legal advice. Welcome to another episode of White Collar Briefly. My name is Kevin Feldes and I will be your host today. I am a partner at Perkins Coie and I focus on white collar matters, government investigations and litigation. And before joining Perkins, I worked as a federal prosecutor with DOJ for 18 years. We are fortunate today to have special guest Ross Manzavac. Ross is the Deputy General Counsel for Avanos Medical. Avanos is a publicly traded medical device and medical technology company with thousands of employees worldwide. Today's episode, we're calling it the new normal, and we will be talking about some of the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on corporate legal departments and on their relationships with outside counsel, kind of what works, what's missing, and how we are all adapting as lawyers. So Ross, it's really great uh, to have you. Thanks for joining me today. Sure. So my name, as you mentioned, is Ross Mansbach, and I'm the Deputy General Counsel at Avenos Medical. We're based in Alpharetta, Georgia which is a suburb just north of Atlanta. The company spun out of Kimberly Clark about five or so years ago. And the portfolio that we have now is in two categories. One is what we call chronic care. And those are airway management products and digestive health products. And the other category is our pain management business, which breaks down into chronic pain care and also acute pain, which is surgical site pain. And that is essentially our business. We manufacture, market, and sell around the world. And we're a little more than 4,500 employees. Wow. So 4,500 employees, Ross. How big a legal department do you have to support those operations? (laughs) The legal department is the smallest department especially if you don't count compliance, which at one point was integrated with legal. There are six lawyers globally, and that includes lawyers who are contract lawyers. And in one case, um, someone in Singapore who is part-time legal and part-time compliance. But other than her, the whole legal function is based in Alpharetta, Georgia. Lawyers worldwide, I know just from talking to you previously, Ross, that you rely quite a bit on outside law firms, and and hopefully we'll get into that a little bit today. But with a six-lawyer in-house legal department, were you prepared for something like the COVID-19 pandemic and all the changes that have taken place? No. Um, I mean, in in some ways, we were prepared only in the sense that our life in-house since the spinoff has gone from one 
significant project or issue to the next, whether it be litigation matters, transactional matters, market dislocations of one kind or another. And we were just coming off of those and transitioning into what seemed like it might be more of a steady state when the pandemic hit. So in the sense that we have faced crises and addressed them and moved on, yes, we were prepared in the sense that we have a history with how to handle pandemics and are staffed for pandemics. No, we were not prepared at all for that. And I mean, it's hard to imagine that, that many people were, but we certainly were not. No, and, and you're, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I've been talking to lots and lots of companies in the last three months, and there's no way anyone could have been prepared. Ironically, the week before all the shutdowns took place, I held a roundtable on incident response and emergency preparedness and quickly at the last minute added a bullet point on pandemics because this was sort of evolving. But even in that conversation, when we saw it coming, nobody was really prepared. So I've, I've heard that a lot. You know, during this episode, what I hope to talk to you and get your insights on is a comparison to, you know, what were your main focuses? And you've described a couple of them. What were your main focuses before the pandemic? And what do they look like now? How have they changed? And what can we take from that? So maybe if you would give us a little sense of the pre-pandemic focus of the legal department, what were the main things that sort of you focused on day to day for supporting the business? for supporting your staff and for working with outside counsel. Yeah, I mean, really, it was all the things that you're you're describing, but in the context of business as usual. So what for us that meant was a lot of commercial transactions. It meant litigation, whether as a plaintiff or as a defendant. It meant managing investigations. It meant managing our IP portfolio. We have been working on our own internal systems and processes to basically our software platforms and optimizing those. It was the things that lawyers typically do in-house. And then as the pandemic came, it was initially a bit of a slow roll as people started to realize what was happening that it was expanding outside of Asia, that it was you know, expanding within the US, that it was going to have implications for all of us. I say a slow roll because at least from my perspective, it wasn't immediately obvious that we were going to be in the situation that we are now where months later, I'd still be at home and without having been to the office in so long. You know, looking back to it as it was evolving, it was the realization that we were going to have to, in many ways, maintain that day job, all the things that I was describing to you, while also addressing the things that were pandemic related, which, you know, at each turn was sort of an issue of first impression because, you know, our, our business is not the business of pandemic. You know, so we were having to understand what those implications were going to be be on top of the laws that were being suspended, which, you know, prior to that didn't seem to have been a, you know, a possibility to the evolving regulations, to understanding how that would apply to us, to giving direction to our 4,500 employees who span a range of office workers and salespeople, manufacturing people, and provide some sense of clarity and stability to them while 
also keeping the, the normal business going. And what about for you, Kevin? Has your normal changed? And do you, do you foresee a different normal in the future? I do. I feel like I'm in this phase now where things are reopening and people really want to get back to normal. And I've heard people say that, but I'm not sure we really know what, what normal is. I, I don't think it's going to go back to the way it was, at least for a long time. So when I hear the phrase, the new normal, it's not the same as it was, and it's really the new normal for this week. I don't know what next week is going to look like, but I'm interested in that question. You know, I'm interested in what people think is the new normal. And of course, for us, particularly when it comes to the practice of law. So on that note, maybe you'll humor me because being at Perkins Coie and working with companies around the world, I, I want to know what should we be doing differently to help support you in the legal counsel's office? What is different now in the services you need? I get the sense that many are tired of getting the constant emails about you know, COVID-19 updates. So give me some practical thoughts. What is it that outside law firms can do to support corporate legal departments? One is just the consistent updated information. So I, I realize that there can be a lot of different emails from the different firms, but there was quite a bit of time where I relied on those more than I ever had, where firms that we work with were doing 50 state surveys of shelter in place regulations because you know we have offices in different states and what were the different rules is between what workers could do in one place versus workers in another or we had workers in Germany who needed to get to a facility in France and so to have you know the comparisons of the regulation, not just state by state, but country by country, ended up being hugely helpful. And maybe it's because in previous normal times, if there were one-off issues, it might be easier just to contact outside counsel, have a conversation, get some advice and move on. But now, because there is, it's almost like a body of law around COVID, that you know, we've all become minor experts in it such that they're not such one-off events. And, and the people in-house have to come up to speed on how to advise in that area, just as they would if it were some other topic or category that people in-house generally sought advice about. It no longer becomes the one-off where you reach out to outside counsel for advice. And so the firms that have provided a stream of very useful information have become indispensable to us. And so, you know, that's one thing that people can do. Another is to shift over to different technology platforms, just as we've had to do. And this is more a point of how law firms can mirror what happens in-house just so people can be working, if not literally from the same page, at least from the same platform, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever, or WebEx, whatever it may be. The way people work has shifted to where this might once have been a telephone call, you know, now it's done through computer. That doesn't seem so whiz-bang these days, but at the same time, it is different than how I think we would have done it a few months ago, certainly how I interact with people at work has changed 
And I just sort of expect that, that firms mirror how life and processes can be in-house. And that's another thing that firms can do. Or you tell me, what are things that at Perkins Coie you're doing differently to try and stay connected to your clients? Well, well, first, I want to say I'm glad that all of our writing and our emails are hitting home, or at least some of them have with you. So that's good to hear because I know a lot of us are putting a lot of energy into that in sending out the latest update to folks and hoping somebody's listening and hoping that they're useful. So thanks for that. I'm glad to hear it, it does make a difference. In one way, I think we're all learning together, but it's it's good to see that those efforts you know, are useful. You know, w- one thing we talk about in-house all the time, and of course, we have our meetings and we, and we think about strategy of how can we be useful? How can we reach out to folks and keep in contact? And one of them is just having conversations. So full disclosure, Ross, you know, you and I have known each other over 25 years. We went to law school together. I've done work for Avanos, but you and I and our friend Chris got on a Zoom call the other night just for fun. It wasn't work related. Are those kinds of things useful? Just do you have more casual conversations with the attorneys that you work with at other firms? I'm trying to think. I certainly have more conversations like we had with Chris because there's something about the way things are now that it seems acceptable to reach out to people who you haven't talked to in a while. I mean, we're on, you know, maybe five months ago, if I reached out to somebody I hadn't talked to in five or 10 years, it might've seemed kind of creepy. Like, you know, what do you want? Why are you calling me? What do you want from me? And that's something I think about a lot. You know, maybe I haven't spoken to one of our classmates in 25 years. And do they think I'm just calling them because I'm trying to sell them legal services where maybe now they will understand that's genuine? Yeah, because now, honestly, it's not just COVID, but, you know, since the first time we reconnected during the pandemic period, you know, there have been other things that have been tearing at the fabric of the country, too you know, like recent protests. And I think people want a sense of connection and community and then at the same time recognize that you can't get it in what used to be the normal ways. And maybe that's part of why it's more acceptable or people don't feel so weird reaching out to former classmates, whether it's in college or law school or law firms you've worked at, companies. I think there's just more acceptance of appreciation of making connections and the value in those connections and less judgment about the people who are reaching out to make them. So like when you're talking about the conversation with Chris, and that was a great idea. And that was a great connection. I, I mean, such a huge fan of Chris. I haven't talked to him in years. And I really appreciated the chance to to reconnect with him and see how he hasn't changed at all. And I think the video, you're so right. We, we would probably wouldn't have done that by uh, video conference. But today it seems odd if we're not on the video. People wonder, you know, why isn't your camera on? And that to me is a dramatic change from a few months ago where we had the technology, we just weren't using it. So today the biggest challenge is just knowing are we going to be on WebEx or Zoom or Skype or something else? So it is cool that we've made that adjustment. Do you think there's other positives that have come out of this in terms of how we've thought things were not possible? And now we're seeing, wait, we can do this and maybe we can do it more efficiently. Yeah, definitely. The thing that comes to mind immediately is remote work. You know, we've been doing it for months 
And, you know, we've been very productive getting our work done that way. You know, and, and I say that as a lawyer or more broadly as an office worker, you know, it's not the same for our sales force that relies on going into hospitals and training physicians and other healthcare professionals and being present during procedures to make sure that our products are used in a safe and effective way. It certainly cannot apply to our manufacturing employees and they can't you know, each manufacture part of a medical device in their own home and somehow pass it around among themselves and can't do that. And so I'm very fortunate and just as you are too and what I do, what you do, that our sort of work can be done remotely. And I think there's more of an acceptance of that just within the last several months. And I know that from having interviewed for a role for a while where the people who I was interested in and wanted to follow up on were saying they really wanted to work from home or their current deal is that they work X number of days from home and they would only want to come into the office Y number of days. And you know, that wasn't really how we were set up and it wasn't what our expectations were. But I can imagine that in the future, there'll be much more acceptance of that. So, well, yeah. Have you read this book, The Geography of Bliss? I can't remember if we've spoken about this book before. No, I have not read it, but it sounds very good. What is that about? Yeah, yeah. Well, check it out. So The Geography of Bliss, and it's basically you know asking the question, so what are the happiest places on earth and, and why? And so the author went around the world to sort of check it out from Iceland to Moldova, which I've been actually, and that in his mind got the ranking as the least happy place. But uh, putting that aside, the point is, where is the happiest place on earth and what makes it happy? So, you know, we can all guess at that. What, what's your guess? What do you think the happiest places are? Well, they're probably the places where people have connection. So, you know, in America, people may talk about retail therapy. The actual answer to the question is probably the other end of the spectrum. It's probably not the things that, that people can buy and own, but the things that people can develop and experience with others. Yeah, you nailed it. So for example, Iceland is one of the happiest places and you might wonder, well, isn't it kind of cold and dark, but but actually it's it's got a great community and trust and stability. So you're right on. So I've been thinking about that book and all of this because we are lucky to be able to be working from home and really, you know, being very productive that way because of what we do. And maybe that opens up opportunities. We could all be anywhere we wanted to be, perhaps, and working remotely. But it also made me think about the reverse is what are we missing? So if what makes us happy are the connections, it's obvious the next question is COVID-19 has really kept us away from some of those connections other than by video. So I wonder if you've seen that like at work, what about, you know, getting around the water cooler, so to speak? those moments that you don't have now. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, when you're in an office, you know, you can just wander around and you know, I work next to just a great guy. And if I'm interested in what's going on in his business, I can just go hang out with him. Or as he walks by my office, he can lean in and say one or two things. And it's just so casual and almost random in terms of sometimes who you can come across and the information you can learn, which does not sound like an efficient way to run a business, but it's still 
true that there's so much information and ideas that flow from that kind of happenstance. And that is something I think we miss now, because now, unless I take some affirmative steps to go find out things or join meetings that I wouldn't have otherwise been part of, my world can narrow quite a bit because I'm only on the call where I have specific advice to give or a deliverable to discuss. And on one level, that's actually very efficient. But on another, over time, you miss not just the connections to people, but you also miss the information. It's like the difference between doing online searches where you just get your very targeted answer versus you know looking in a book where you see the pages all around and one thing sparks another and you move on and learn more and, and can be more creative. And that's definitely a miss to me. What about for you? Are there other things that you find as kind of a miss? Yeah, I think that's incredibly important, meaning that human connection and the connection with your colleagues. To me, I want to work in an office place that, you know, has lots of other smart people around me, probably a lot smarter than me, that I can learn from, that I can bounce ideas off of. I, I think we get to better solutions when we work as a team. And that's a little bit harder to do. I think we're getting used to it, but it's a little harder to just pick up the phone with the colleague next door who would have otherwise been next door. And you would just knock at the door or walk by, see if they're busy. Now you do have to pick up the phone and that's, you know, there's sort of a bit of a barrier there. So I don't know. I don't think we know what the new normal is. I guess we started this chat with the new normal and we both kind of thrown some ideas out there what that means. But I'm not sure we have any idea at all what the new normal is. We're getting somewhere here. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's almost like it requires a different skill set, not completely different, but doing work differently than we did before. I don't mean just technologically, but, you know, for me, you know, working in-house, I have one big client, you know, it's the company. And in the normal course, meaning, you know, before all of this, I, you know, I'm kind of in the flow of work and I don't have to go out and get it so much. It's just there and I manage what is there. But now almost more like how it used to be when I was working in private practice. And it's more feel a need to reach out to people, to connect to them, to understand what's going on with them and their business and insert myself into things that you know, I might not have otherwise done it that way. Um, but now it takes more initiative, might not be the right word, but but just affirmative steps and, and a recognition that if you're not going to be in an office, you also can't just be sitting at home, you know, grinding out the things that come into your email box. You have to manage the work that you do differently. And it's a different mix of the things that you receive and the things that you get. And in some ways, that's a, that's a different skill set. Yeah, I, I do think that's right. It'll be interesting through all of this and, and how, how things evolve, whether we see people adapting to finding, yeah, these skills are more important than they used to be. And maybe that impacts hiring and maybe that impacts litigation. For example, I was having a conversation with a colleague about video depositions. And while obviously those same skills apply, there are some differences to conducting a really good video deposition than there might be to conducting it in person. So little things like that, that we uh, are coming to realize 
exercise and adapting to. I guess bringing it back home, any practical tips along those lines, again, that you'd offer up for folks, you know, if you're looking to hire someone for a new matter, how are you going to go about that search? My initial instinct is the one that I described, just who do I know who may be an expert in this area that would otherwise also be a good fit for our culture and how we work with outside counsel. And often that's sufficient, but uh, sometimes it's not. And then it gets closer to what we were talking about before about those emails and the publication. I have to go out and start to figure out who, who are people in this space who are very capable. Maybe it's not just the space, but also the geography that is important to me, particularly if it's a litigation and start working those networks to find somebody. And then start to touch on that kind of skill or attribute we were talking about, about just reaching out more. You know, it's become incumbent on me. You know, I know that I need to break out of what would be my world in order if we get in, you know, new matters because, you know, they don't stop. If people, whether it's it's litigation or transactions or whatever it may be, the world goes on and, and we still need to engage with it and think of the services that we need. That's good. That's actually very interesting. It's whereas maybe before there were lots of folks approaching you and there's just fewer of those touch points now than there were before by nature of our, you know, a little bit condensed world at the moment. Yeah. Well, Ross, this has been really great of you to take this time. I know you have a ton going on. It's been fun to chat with you and kind of ramble on about some of these issues. So very cool all of you to do it. Let's schedule the next Zoom call. That would be fantastic. I'm always happy to talk. And I don't know that we solve the problems of the world or establish what's eventually the new normal, but it's certainly enjoyable to talk about it with you. So thank you for the opportunity. Great. No, thank you, Ross. It's it's great and good luck. And, and thanks for all the good work that you're doing. This concludes this episode of White Collar Briefly. Please visit whitecollarbriefly.com where you can subscribe to our blog and find additional updates on current white collar and compliance topics. White Collar Briefly, a Perkins Coie mini pod. Copyright 2020 by Perkins Coie LLP. Thank you for listening.